This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening. It's Wednesday. It's 10 o'clock, and it's time for the Late Late Chat Show with me, Toby Payne Cook, and my excellent friend, Ed Finch. Ed's talking winter walks. I'm dreaming of an Ed utopia, and we're disseminating the tweets of the week and a question about measuring the impact of education. Stick with us. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. And Ed is there. Good evening. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm all right. I just got in. I've been out. I've been out at the pub with human beings. Have you been? And and and, and that's nice because we are we're cyborgs. Aren't we? we are cyborgs, and so yeah. um, you real human beings. And did you have a nice time in the pub? How many pints have you had? I only had one. Well, I had to drive home, so I had the one pint. The one I did pint have was a it a good pint? Of Dan's wine to see if it was nice, and it was nice. I yeah. only had the one pint, and I also had. A, a delicious risotto. Can I tell you? Delicious. Yeah. I think that might be the nicest risotto I've had in a very long time. I've not got to cook you risotto yet, Ed. I'm going to cook you a risotto. You and cook I'm a good make risotto. It. I do. I love cooking a risotto. I'm, I'm quite experimental. I used to cook quite a lot of, of Jamie Oliver risottos mm-hmm. from, I think, his second Naked mm-hmm. Chef book back when he wasn't so ubiquitous. Um, and yeah, and I've kind of just vary it on a theme. I just, you know, there's, there, I yeah, I like cooking risotto. risotto recipe. I have a standard uh, butternut squash risotto recipe, which oh. I find I adjust to almost anything else. I, Very good. Distracted. My son is drinking Vimto and he loves it. Vimto? What is it then? If it's not- is he turning purple? Oh, he's invented a cocktail. See, this is the drinks theme. We didn't know we were going to have a drinks theme. Douglas has made himself a cocktail out of diet cola and ocean spray can- cranberry juice. Blimey, that sounds, no, that sounds toxic. Well done. <laughs> um, yes, Knight Douglas. Um, maybe Douglas can be a guest, guest, a guest at some point in the future. Douglas, night, night. I'm going to listen and see if all the, pe- all the viewers, listeners, <laughs> whatever they are, can all say night, night, Douglas. One, two, three. Night, night, Douglas. Oh, I'm not a listener. I'm a presenter. Sorry. <laughs> well, you um... have said it then, but you did. Anyway, yes, risotto. It was a delicious risotto. Many people had puddings. I didn't have a pudding. Are you a pudding person? Me, I'm more of a starter and a main person. And maybe cheese, maybe cheese if I've got space. And then definitely coffee. In fact, one of my tweets of the week, I'll save it for tweet of the week, um, refers to cheese, doesn't it? Um, and anyway, I've been out this evening as well. Mm-hmm. earlier on so i've been i've been out at my friend farmer guy and so a yeah. shout out a shout out to a non-teacher who some of our teachers who listen to this actually follow him jojo I follow him. um yeah. jojo yeah jojo lorio um whose husband is a farm manager um mm-hmm. she follows guy and he is a he's a big arable farmer into his regenerative agriculture which is minimum till um so better for the kind of soil health and and all that sort of stuff anyway i've been with him him and his lovely family this evening brainstorming our quiz title rounds um i'm not meant to say brainstorming anymore am i sorry about that mind shower a mind mind showering um our quiz rounds and who's setting what for on the 4th of march i am quiz master at the annual um although there wasn't one last year for obvious reasons um wield of kent young farmers club so raising funds for 24 people who um are, you know socialize via the medium of a young farmers club which is rather marvelous so um, i enjoy that so there'll be a tractors round there'll be a uh, what, what, what other rounds should we come up with um local knowledge pubs mainly uh, a music round with some tenuous link to farming science round an agriculture round agri- agriculture, agriculture yeah. as in there's going to be a question about far from the madding crowd of course there oh, is yes yes Can um joe of, oh, on the black hill there you go on the that's, bla- that's, yes. that's about farmers uh, that's about farmers yeah there what we go it's about farmers there must be 
Well, there's a there's a little cold comfort form. They're they're listeners, always... They could tweet in with like make a make a movie about a farm where you change one word and it's hilarious. Yeah. You know those sort of tweet threads that one used Absolutely. to participate in and now avoids mostly. We could do. I know. Um, I know that that cold, we could do cold something about cold comfort farm. They've always mm-hmm. been stark adders at cold comfort farm. Yes. I think I saw something nasty in the woodshed. Um, yes. So anyway, Mr. You is frowning. Um, as, oh, okay. To, to comment from Joe about that. So um, I also, before we get into our, our normal features, would like to mention that I had the privilege of meeting a real twitter person this week for the first time so i know he'll be listening running or walking to school sometime this week um i'd like to shout out to the wonderful richard newbold dr richard newbold who is a chemistry teacher at uh tunbridge wells grammar no 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 skinner's skinner's grammar in tunbridge wells he was a former was formerly in academia at various postdocs and we have obviously connected via kent connections on twitter and a love of north devon coast and and weird obscure indie bands well not obscure indie bands but but wedding present that kind of thing half man half biscuit etc um and um met him and went for a walk on tuesday neither of us work on tuesdays and uh had a pub lunch that was rather lovely so so hello to richard great guy great chat um good to meet him so shout out to richard that's about it i think shall we crack on yes let's crack on what are we cracking on with oh sound effect tweet of the week <laughs> oh, I, I remember the sound effect on cue this week yeah that was great it was very very professional <laughs> getting more professional every week good evening listeners good evening those of you who are jogging cooking walking to us this is the bit of the show where ed and i talk about what we've noticed on the twitter in the week and it's it's very much um over to you first ed what have you got i I barely noticed a thing honestly i don't know was there twitter this week I, it's been quiet. I've been quite quiet on it. I yeah. think I was busy yesterday evening. I think quite on Twitter, but but most of the week I've not been very busy. Um, I've noticed a few things. I I'd, I mean, we've our chief research, chief of Twitter research is Nick Wood, yeah. and um, he normally finds us stuff. And then there's you and me. <laughs> so so I'm gonna I'm gonna mention a, a tweet of Nick's, a tweet <laughs> of mine, and a tweet yeah. of yours, and then <laughs> right. And one or two others. So Nick, Nick tweeted, um, can I self-nominate? And he was just quote tweeting. There was a tweet from Teachers Talk Radio. Michael Gove said the summer holidays should be shorter. Do you agree? Nick then quote tweeted that. I've heard it said Michael Gove's political career should should be shorter. Do you agree? Um, so Nick Nick wanted to give himself tweet of the week. So there you go, Nick. You've got <laughs> a tweet of the week. I know you're allowed to self-nominate, though. No, it's yeah. terrible, isn't it? It's terrible. Um, you, Ed, were on form, I think it was last night, when uh, you, you, you had a funny, funny, very, very dry um, yeah. conversation about, was it, you, you replied to, hang on, let me get the, the thread up. The original tweet was <laughs> censored head. Censored yeah. head. I bought my first house in 2012. It cost yeah. 152,000. I was earning 35,000 M6 and TLR, roughly 4.5 times my salary. You decided mm. to quote tweet that and said, I bought my first real six string in the summer of 69. Yeah. Which well, I, I thought was cu- kind of random. Did you and think then it, of I thought it was. I thought it was. I said there were was, a lot of tweets of people saying, was, I bought my first house, and I, I just couldn't uh, read them without hearing of <laughs> lovely Brian Evans. So I... and, <laughs> but then you then, in response to Paul Cornish, who said, oh no, you said did actually, should have gone something nylon strung for first guitar till the old mm. finger pads hardened up a bit. And then Paul Cornish said, on your own or as part of a band, who with? Did you think you would make it big or not? And then you came up with this. 
Me, so this is Ed Finch last night, me and some of the chaps from school formed an ensemble and we made a sterling effort. Quintin sadly decided to go into banking and Rafe did a law conversion course. I really ought to have had an inkling. We weren't destined to make a success of it. Um, it's a better song, isn't it? It's a better song. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Very good. Um, and so I'm going <laughs> to, you can have, uh, let's celebrate that. And And then myself, I was quite proud of this. So this is this is shocking. I, sh- I won't do this again, everybody. By the way, this was this was this was in response to Kate Jones, who's a, mm. a teacher, talk radio presenter, who said, "If you had an Edu Twitter dinner party, who would you invite yeah. and why?" And I replied, "The other guests don't really matter. I'd just gravitate <laughs> to a quiet corner fueled by inordinate quantities of cheese and port with dear Finchie and talk multifarious swear word until the early hours." Um, there well, you go. I mean, we'd have a great time. We don't need a dinner <laughs> party for that. We can just do that. No, can't we? no, hang we on. We should do that. We should do that sometime. I, th- yes. I, I very much enjoyed Johnny Biddle's uh, tweet of the week. Yes, uh, which he came out of nowhere. It wasn't even, I don't think, in relation to the conversation. I just think he was feeling irritated. Uh, he tw- so he's, you know, he's quoting an imaginary child. But we haven't even learned about this yet, Mister Biddle. No, you're absolutely right. We haven't. But rather than me teaching it to you, I'm going to spend the lesson assessing you on it using a past SATS paper. And that means I can then mark on a spreadsheet that you can't do it. Yes. I'm pretty sure we've all been there. I think I I think I've got a sense of deja vu. Didn't didn't I read that one out last week? Oh, did you read that one out? I last think week? I think I think it made so, me very yeah. pleased. Anyway, I stumbled across it again. And oh, I thought yeah. tweet of the month. I not tweet of the week. I don't know. I'm going to be rude about a painful resource here. So I hope the makers of that resource don't sue me. But the Puma paper, which a lot of people are using for assessing maths, I don't know if you do. Um, uh, yes, yes, I know Puma. Yes, we have you know, used Puma. Puma. You know, yes. I, I think they have actually adjusted oh. it now. So I think this is no longer a valid, um, uh, valid criticism because I think they've they've sort of accepted that White Rose have the monopoly on maths now, and they yes, we've moved right. to right White right, right Rose. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, everybody has White Rose is now monolithic. I still don't. I don't think they're evil, but they are monolithic. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but you know, prior to this great marriage of uh, Puma and White Rose. I wonder who's bought White Rose. It's a Pearson thing now, maybe. Anyway, let's not worry about that. They, uh, yeah, it used to be, you did a test at the beginning of the year where you hadn't taught them anything, and they got a very low score because you hadn't taught them anything yet. About halfway through the year, you had, uh, you taught the children about half the stuff you were going to teach them. And as a result, children got about half the available points in the Puma, which was quite a significant increase of around 50% in the average child's score. By the end of the year, you taught them all the stuff. And they could access all these questions at the start of the year. They didn't know what a rhombus was. They didn't no. know how to do bus stop division. By the end of the year, you taught it. And they, like, either I'm an ace teacher, or these children are making splendid progress, or this whole thing's a crock. I think yeah. it's probably a crock. Anyway, yes. never mind. So, yes, yeah, you've I've always had a bad I've day all... at the office to, to be making out. I'm always is... baffled by the rhombus thing, I have to say. I'm going you've to pick got... up. I'm have you got an like... issue with rhombuses? I have, you attacked I, well, by one as a child. I mean, if I have an issue with rhombuses, it also means I have an issue with uh, squares as well, as squares are a rhombus too. And squares are a uh, form of rhombus. They're a square, indeed. form of parallelogram, I guess, are they? Indeed, they square, are. squares are a form They're of parallelogram. They're a special form of rectangle. Yes, indeed. And, and I think that's the whole reasoning of it becomes very interesting if you are an advanced reasoner of maths. Mm. Um but I always think, you know, knowing the names of shapes in, what is it? Is it mid-key stage two that that's introduced? Mostly quadrilaterals. We mostly quadrilaterals, quadrilaterals. And there's like and about a million different names for quadrilaterals we're all required to know. Just say, know. it's a quadrilateral. There's a lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and it's kind of like, well, hang on a minute, though. It's It's kind of... I think it's just for the children. This is, this is kind of controversial, mm. but I know it's not ever stopped me before. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just for the children who, who sort of find numbers quite challenging or, you know, maths and yeah. numeracy, oh, yeah, and, and the, things that might be useful to them and to society. Yeah. To find quite challenging. So we'll do a week of shape. We'll do a Give week of shape now. Let them do something else. They're good yeah. at it. You've got yeah. a whole load of kids who, aren't, who can't do the four operations, but they can point out a rhombus. 
that's maths too. But you Come could on. just go and do a drama lesson instead, you know, instead of making um, one in ten you maths stop lessons. Stop having that lovely symmetry lesson where they get to do the butterfly, where they're by folding a paper over. They love that, and they think oh, it's it maths. God bless. Not them. Austin's butterfly. No, it's a squidgy paint butterfly. I had a, <laughs> oh, the squidgy <laughs> paint butterfly, lesson, yes. The worst lesson in the world. I had a student teacher, and let's hope that she's no longer a teacher or, or doesn't listen to this program. More likely <laughs> than she doesn't listen to this program, shall we say. Anyway, she did this. She had the university people coming in, and she did a carousel of activities all on symmetry. And one of them, they did a terrible painting of half a butterfly, folded it over and squidged it. Yeah. Um, it was one of those things where you feel deep, deep shame. You're watching what's going on in the classroom. Is no learning. There is just children doing this carousel of shite. And, carousel uh, of shite. <laughs> and anyway, it went. That's a good name for a band. The, uh, the university the carousel of shite. The best thing they'd ever seen. I was like, <laughs> oh my word. You know when people are snarky about ITT, and I think it's normally people who've got a bee in their bonnet or a bug up their trousers i don't know but anyway on that one occasion i thought can you not see yeah. <laughs> what an utter waste of everybody's time and all our resources this is no they couldn't they thought they died and gone to heaven never mind uh, i'm i'm gonna i'm want to move on but i am gonna mention that nick chief of research of tweet of the week also found this tweet although i think i found it myself too from our good friend ar at llewellyn 20 yeah. um and, he, and Nick said, if this doesn't get Tweet of the Week, then there's going to be some mighty fine tweeting between now and the next show. Um, it's, it's a political one, but um, it was Nadine Boris is quite right. During lockdown, we'd work a few hours, then get pissed <laughs> in the staff room with the cleaners and other staff. EYFS Absolutely. were the worst with their disco ball and Jaeger bombs. People <laughs> came from all over. It was ace. I can barely remember it. I was so hammered. Um, that was a good one. And th- that was on, a political, on a political theme as well but not the same political theme there was a lot of tweeting after question time last week i watched question time it was focused on vaccines and there was this guy who um, apparently did a philosophy degree which now puts me off philosophy um because i kind of am a bit of a fantasy philosopher and he was sort of trying to out argue a very calm and measured professor of immunology from imperial college about (laughs) about vaccines and it was just it was car crash tv but it was rather rather pending and then someone else tweeted in response to that this rather nice little slide i did with a sort of um citation one in in um uh, superscripted my own with a two citation um research with a three citation and so i did mean watched my own means someone else's and then research meant shitty YouTube video. Um, <laughs> I did my own research, which which I thought was good. Um, I did because he said I did my own research. Anyway, there we go. Right. Um, you're going to talk after the news, yes. Ed, about your winter walks. Yeah, and... I'll have to think about that quickly during the news. Fortunately, That's the news fine. is quite long. I've got time to work it up. It's it's one minute and twenty seconds shorter this week. We've is got it? we've got yeah. It's it's only it's a six minutes and fifty nine seconds. Maybe um, our ribbing is starting to take effect. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, I you had the floor last week with me butting in as yes. always on Brewed. So and two weeks ago, I was sort of asked a question, or no, no uh, it was last week's question was sort of about if you could design your ideal school, a bit of an edutopia. And, and it's something I kind of dream of quite a lot, an edutopia. I realise there is no edutopia because mm-hmm. there's no one-size-fits-all for all children, all families, all cultures, all, uh, you know, extra, et cetera. But, um, you know, so we have, we have you know, a system that, that works but is not optimal. And, um, and there we go. So this is – I'm just going to probably just – before I start talking about my edutopia, um, I'm just going to read – Katie Finlayson, who is a home educator and a quite learned lady who who is uh, engaged with quite a lot on Twitter, and her response to our kind of non-question of the week last week was, hang on, let me get the, show this thread. Here we go. So what was it last week was an open 
question of the week for last week because we didn't do question of the week last week we had such a full show an open question of the week was describe your perfect school in a maximum of three tweets think big and broad you can constrain yourself to any four years of schooling eg four to eight nine to thirteen fourteen to eighteen that's age not year numbers um anyway katie replied non-compulsory a space containing interested interesting and involved adults who offer their expertise to those who want to partake and will support them to find out the things they are interested in if no suitable adults happen to be around lots of reading discussion creating and outdoor options mixed ages with groupings based on interest and ability families brackets including parents and babies slash toddlers are welcome to join in though not required to attend also quiet, comfy, library-like spaces. Mentors who know each child well are trusted by them and can help them navigate choices using their wider experience of the world. I thought that sounded pretty utopian. Um, but in order to create an edutopia, I think before going straight to schools and fitting it in to our current society i think we have to change society first um one of the first things i'd like to change to society before we change education is a four-day week okay so let's go to a four-day week um the fifth day is a community day um schools can be part of this so a community day so like like you know like sundays used to be before the shops were open and before we became individual individualistic meritocratic and materialistic so so sort of the fifth day of the week could still be in school but you know doing craft together doing sport together doing discussing debating learning together with our families um right the next thing we've got to do in order to create an edutopia is we have to and this obviously goes against my own social background and my own current employment we have to abolish private schools we have yeah. to abolish grammar schools um, and let's not segregate people based on their ability to pay or their ability yeah. to to score over 120 um reasoning points or whatever on the cat's test aged 10 and a half or something um however i think you then can segregate within a school community so you know you, you know schools so but then you've got to obviously invest in schools much more than we do so an edutopia is a much more invested in place you know where 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 you know it's it's an attractive place to want to go and work as a teacher you know so if you've got a great degree in whether it's English literature or history or product design or engineering or whatever that actually going in to work in a school rather than going to work in, in, a, in you know, is, is an attractive thing to do. Um, so I think, I think they'll come, to, come back to that in a bit more detail in a moment. Um, holidays. I, I sort of think about the school year. I could go off on this. There have been some conversations about the school year because of Michael Gove's comment that, that we need to shorten the summer holiday. And I think, and then you commented on that or someone commented on it saying, you know, let's not take children's childhood. There's something traditional and wonderful about a long summer as a young child. Yeah, I didn't and say I, that. And, but but <laughs> I, do th I do think that, you know, the long summer holiday, and when I say long, I mean six weeks or more, um, is rooted in uh, bringing the harvest, isn't it? It used to I, when I was a child. It used to be later. I mean, I had private school holidays, so I. I but I remember breaking up late July and going back on the sort of third or fourth Monday in September, which aligns much more with harvest. So, with Joe listening, she'll notice that you know you've got cereal crops being harvested mainly in august and then that can stretch into september back in the older days you know the harvest did run into september much more and then of course fruit harvest apple harvest which is much more labor intensive that sort of kicks in late august and and um early september so so i think but you know we're not kids aren't bringing in the harvest anymore they haven't been for a number of decades um and so so i think I would like and you, see, and you say that you say that, but when I used to teach in Ethiopia back in the days, well, yeah, okay, they we are had in a day Ethiopia. Out of school and we, we, it was only one day, but it was my goodness, the entire school community poured out into the hills. We worked those children like absolute goons for uh, about I don't know eleven hours or something. We got the harvest in. We did yeah. get the harvest in. 
I think, I think, well, there is, yeah, and then I haven't really, I haven't got this all mapped out, by the way. It's very spontaneous. I think if you are in a rural community, I'm just seeing some comments on the, on the chat. So, so Joe's asked about agriculture, uh, CG Vowles, uh, Christopher Vowles, I think is talking about some of our students are lambing in the spring. So if you're in a rural part of the country, then your school community is likely to be infused with the local farming community. And, and, and that's great. Um, and, you know, maybe we should have a little bit more community days as part of school education. We should go and do a bit more community service and get involved with, you know, whether it's farming or whether it's the local care home or the local, uh, you know, whatever. Um, and, and so, yeah, there's, there's, there's that, that's definitely something that perhaps, particularly from probably about the age of sort of 12 onwards where people can just sort of you know not just be immersed in this sort of inward looking adolescent being kept busy doing things that they don't really want to do because if they weren't kept busy doing things they didn't want to do they'd sort of start you know hating themselves even more than they do already at that age anyway um Mm -hmm. i get that i get that we've got to keep children busy so but i would have a holiday model where you have five weeks on and then two weeks off all through the year, which would mean that you'd have a five-week summer break. I'd have that five-week summer break mostly in July, mm-hmm. uh, end of June, and so then you'd have a, another two-week break in, in basically in mid-September, and you'd have a two-week break in mid-May. And so, But obviously that's a lot of holiday. That's a lot of holiday. So one of those two weeks could be, there could be school clubs, yeah. So there should, could be could be things, you know, outdoor clubs, activities run by members of the community, members of the school community potentially, um, but not formal education. And some of those two weeks off, so there'll be seven blocks of, or no, there'll be six blocks of two weeks off through the year and one five-week block off. Um, and teachers would have to work for, uh, uh, you know, probably four of those weeks, that the children weren't in formal school. Um, and that would be a little bit of CPD, a little bit of inset stuff, but it'd also be mainly collaborating together, planning together, thinking about what the children, whether the children are getting what they need, you know, reviewing, learning, et cetera, et cetera, and actually collaborating and feeling like a professional that's just not up against it all the bloody time mm-hmm. with, you know, and so to so make more time. Um, but obviously you've got to then have a staffing um, anyway, so I'm just talking about logistics at the moment. I'm not really talking about what we do. Um, I think um, just thinking about, still thinking about logistics, other things I think that would be interesting. One thing, now this is controversial, but if you are a fairly experienced teacher with a TLR and, you know, you're perhaps on the upper pay scale or whatever, you know, what are you earning? £40,000 a year, right? Something like that? Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Am I, yeah? So, so, so then, you know, it seems a bit daft, and maybe this is me being in a private school, for at least half of my time supervising children playing, Mm-hmm. or supervising children at break or at lunch or or even in a lesson watching them do stuff and you know you know checking that they're writing and underlining the date or or they're answering their questions correctly or or not actually me really doing any teaching uh, and so it seems to me to make sense that would be better and I know some people might say this is deprofessionalizes teachers to have a greater range of real subject knowledge experts who are ideally expert in more than one subject that can join subjects together, who can spend their time teaching children, perhaps in smaller groups, not a whole class, you know, doing tutorials, doing catch up, doing interventions doing input and then nurturing them into their tasks that they've got to do themselves. And then you have a whole series of more generalist teachers who are very skilled in pedagogy and very skilled in sort of logistics and organization and behavior management and stuff like that, who can then kind of lead those children when they are, you know, doing their their task, whether it's a group task mm-hmm. or an individual thing, or just practice maths questions or practice role play or practice whatever it is, Bellings, grammar, etc. And then you have to get up sort of, you know, your outdoor supervisors who, 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 you know, can, and, and then of course you have your sort of pastoral team, your counselors, etc. Who, who, who are there to support. So I think, I think just thinking about really deploying 
people's skills and talents and the money that it costs to recruit them. So mm. as well, I, I, I think that's something that we should think about. Um, I'm, I could go on forever. I think you maybe could. I should defer um, more into what we teach because I, I'm going to just say one more thing yeah. because um, the other thing is, you know, a lot of people in the current education model are rather wedded to subjects. I think subjects are wonderful, but most people don't think in subjects. Most people don't become individual subject no. experts or academics. And I think it's a little bit bonkers that we are still fixated on, you know, breaking up school timetables by subjects exclusively there needs to be some daily maths practice i love this you're going so, so far in the opposite direction to uh, i know the current uh, hegemony of thought aren't you yeah i am i am domains i'm being specific teaching these domains they don't i know over. you can't don't mix the domains it's like in ghostbusters <laughs> yeah and then we'll, yeah. we'll come to that at the end of the we'll come to that at the end of the show, but i think i think i'm gonna have to rein myself in it's hard because mm. so i'd like to next week ed not not yes. to have i'd like to talk a bit about the school of life um and yes. and you know which is more of an emotional education and i think i would like to also talk about for example just one example today i teach to year seven and eight three hours of science a week I like teaching three hours of science a week. That sounds great. But we that. had in in today we had the uh, Young Shakespeare Company who did a really engaging performance workshop based on Midsummer's Night's Dream. And it was just fantastic. Mm -hmm. And our guys get they are like fortunate to get forty hours, forty minutes of drama a week. They get forty minutes of drama a week, three hours of science a week in year seven and eight. And I yeah. said to the head after this thing, I said, you know what, you know. These guys aren't doing their GCSEs at the end of year eight. We're no longer doing the independent schools common entrance thing. If they're really academic, you can pile in with you know preparing for a scholarship or something. Fine, we can pile in with a bit of extra stuff. But I said, wouldn't it be better to cut cut me down to two hours twenty minutes and give children a little bit more drama, a little bit more art, mm. a little bit more creative space to get to know themselves better, to develop their communication skills, to and all that sort of stuff. And and so you know, just all that sort of stuff. So so have that's you, something to think about. Have you read a book called Fear is the Mind Killer? Fear is the mind James killer. James Mannion and oh, I like James, James Mannion. Mannion. He's the guy who wrote. I'm trying to look for it on the shelf. He's now. rethinking education, isn't he? He's rethinking education. Yeah, no, I think it is him. Hang on a sec. Please, I, sh I did have two copies because there was a mistake. I was sent one for a review and then I can't remember. I'll look it out. Well, this is really interesting radio. But yeah, it's about a school that said pretty much what you were saying. They said, listen, we want the children to be able to, to you know, communicate and to read and absorb with that. So they said they need effectively they need what you're saying they need some philosophy uh, philosophy for children they need to be able to yeah read and discuss and do all this stuff so they actually took stuff out of the curriculum out of the national curriculum so they could have got into trouble for it they said right we're going to take a bit of computer a bit of science and a bit of computing and a bit of something else take that out and give them this guaranteed time to learn communication skills and and empathy and a bit of emotional intelligence and stuff. yeah exactly and their their results went through the roof you know but it, it's not really replicable study. They kind of say, please, it is. Well, you think this is re replicable. You know, follow this pattern, join our train. I'm like, yeah, but you were the passionate people who made it and... I don't know. Yeah. That sort of thing maybe isn't very reputable. Oh, but... you know, if you're gonna, if you are really gonna create an alternative Toby utopia, everything yeah. has to change. So there's a question on the chat here. My only question with a five week on and two week off yeah. would be childcare issues for the week staff would need to be in. Of course, the whole of society. You know, we're we're all we have everybody to rebuild our entire society around yeah. your ideas, David. Absolutely, of course we do. I mean, yeah, how I, have I, it worked out so far? <laughs> um, no, it's, it's it's. I just what I'm thinking is that. Yeah. We work too many hours, you know. As, I, as, I work too and, many hours. And, I get to school about seven-ish, and I don't leave until about six thirty-ish. Yeah. So that's that's enough, isn't it? You know. I and we should share that out a bit more. And there's some people who don't work enough hours, and there's some people who work too many, yeah. and and all that. Anyway, Ed, have you got yeah. any ukulele for us? Well, I did a little tweet uh, a few minutes ago, seeing what people wanted to hear. 
And has anyone replied? Um, if, I was, if you scan down, there's quite a lot of people asking for killing in the name of. I might do for the end of show. That's a thought. We could do that. It'll give me a chance to listen to it oh, during the news. <laughs> badly drawn boy. Can you do pissing in the wind? My, my, my idea might be pissing in the wind. My edutopia is pissing in the wind by, by badly drawn boy. No. Um, We're pissing in it. You can't say pissing on the radio. No, I've just said it, though. Um, <laughs> well, I've said it too, but that's why we're going to lose our show, you know? I mean, Sound of Silence. Uh, um, Sound of Silence is a lovely song. The one I've got put up some Cure. Just for now. A bit of Cure. I thought we all love the Cure, don't we? They're, they're, I really love the Cure. I love the Cure more I know like that you love the Cure, year. so I thought I would just go for a tiny little bit of that. And then we're going to the news. I don't care if Monday's blue, Tuesday's grey, and Wednesday too, Thursday... I won't care about you, it's Friday, I'm in love. Monday, it can fall apart. Tuesday, Wednesday, break my heart. Thursday, doesn't even start, it's Friday, I'm in love. Saturday, wait, and Sunday always comes too late, but Friday never hesitates. You're going to sing the next verse. Yeah, the I don't know the verse. I haven't got the words here, oh, but I know the no, I know the chorus. Well, fake it till you make it. Sing with me. Okay. I don't care if Monday's black, Tuesday, Wednesday, heart attack, attack, Thursday, never looking back. back. It's Friday. I'm in love. Monday, you can hold your head. Tuesday, Wednesday, stay in bed. Stay in bed. Thursday, watch the walls instead. instead. It's Friday. Friday. I'm I'm in love. We could go on forever. Should we go? Should we go to? That's lovely, Ed. Let's, Thank let's you. Let's fade it out. Saturday. Yeah. We're going to go to the adverts, everybody, the oh, news, it's, we'll and the tech update. We'll be back We're in precisely focused. seven minutes' Don't time. Don't miss the tech update. Stay it's with fun. us. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. See you soon. <laughs> This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. 
and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Scotland, the Scottish Liberal Democrats have lodged 25 questions to the Scottish Government about plans to tackle ventilation in schools. One question asks about the health and safety impacts of the plans to chop the bottom of classroom doors off. Willie Rennie, the Liberal Democrat education spokesperson, said, This has been a torrid week for the Scottish Government. Its plans to improve ventilation in schools have been exposed as totally lacking in scale and detail. It is now two years since the virus arrived in Scotland. The lack of action on the part of the Scottish Government to drive ventilation improvements nationwide is leaving pupils and teachers shivering. The Scottish Government said it had provided councils with £10 million for ventilation and carbon dioxide monitoring, as well as the £5 million recently added. In England, teachers have warned that the release of advanced information on exam subjects for GCSEs and A-levels to mitigate the impact of the pandemic comes too late and may not be enough. Exam boards have said previously that they would release the advanced information now rather than earlier in the academic year so that pupils did not cover a narrow curriculum. Mary Bowsted, National Education Union Joint General Secretary said, there are grave concerns among teachers of exam groups that this will not be enough to fairly mitigate the disruption these students have experienced over two academic years. There is just one half term left until Easter, close to when exams begin, and little time to rush through any content. Education Secretary Nadim Zahawi said, that exams are the best and fairest form of assessment and that the information published will make sure students can do themselves justice. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, it's Safer Internet Week with the official day being on Tuesday the 8th of February. This year, the UK Safer Internet Centre is questioning whether gaming online is all fun and games. They ask young people to explore respect and relationships in online gaming. A lot of schools may be having drop down days and you may be expected to deliver an online safety lesson. This is great, but are you confident in your knowledge? There's nothing worse than having to teach a lesson out of your comfort zone, especially when you're discussing a topic where the learners may know more than the teacher. Saferinternet.org.uk, the brains behind Safer Internet Day, have come to the rescue with a series of films under the heading of Virtual Assemblies on their website. Starting with a story about in-app purchases getting out of hand for 3-7 to seven year olds, and then for 7-11 to 11 and 11-18s to 18s, having a discussion on online behaviour and respect. This resource is informative and will allow those of us that are less confident to play the film and facilitate a discussion. As always, if you're going to use an online resource, make sure you've watched it first to make sure it's appropriate for your pupils. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. The three most. Oh, oh, no pressure, Ed. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to think about this one, wasn't I? I remember I was going to think about it on my drive home from the pub. That's what I was going to do. No. Yeah, then you were going to think about it during the news. I was going to, but then I've been working out the chords to killing in the name of, and I think <laughs> that I've got them. I think I've nailed it. Brilliant. But, uh, That's good. I hadn't thought of it as a ukulele song, but I think I've managed to capture the majesty of that song. We'll see. 
I um, have to say, you are you are a greater genius than you perhaps realise you are. I think uh, you know uh, the ukulele is is a simple little instrument, but it's not easy, is it? And and you manage to convert songs that are <laughs> songs that are um yeah. I might ask you to play at my fiftieth, Ed. Um, anyway, oh, um, a, that would be an honour. It would, wouldn't an it? Honour. Uh, if yeah, I have a 50th. Okay, my three works, and we said I said that I was going to keep this quite short because I want to get into the uh, question. The, the question. So, um, I've got some some walks that are. I, I, when we were talking about this last week, and we did your winter walks. Yeah. Um, we were pretending we were talking about walks, but we were talking about a, a psychogeography, weren't we? Talking about yes. places that are deeply special to us, and and then putting it into winter. Um, you know, you put it into that specific season and it brings back particular resonances. Um, and so I, when I started thinking about it, I just couldn't stop but thinking about particular walks on particular days with particular people that have particular meaning, you know? So, yeah. you know, I'm just going to dig into it and I'm going to keep it really short. And, uh, you know, they're sort of gnomic utterances. If anybody out there wants to know more, you know, of course I could mock it or something. I don't think you want me to do that. Um the correct time to walk up Arthur's seat in Edinburgh. Oh. That is, is a cold, cold. Winter's day. Winter's day. When it's, prob- you know, it's not a mountain. It's got a, it's got a path up it, but it feels a bit like a mountain. And it is quite, yeah. You really be walking up a mountain in the pitch black, should you, on a cold winter's day when the wind's biting. I remember walking from, from the top of the Royal Mile, just shy of the castle. I remember having a drink in a pub there and then walking down the Royal Mile with somebody who became very, very special to me, but I didn't know very well yet at that time. Walking all the way down the Royal Mile, if you don't know it, people, I mean, you should. It's cobblestones and, the, you know, it's the heart yeah. of the old town. You go past Heart of Midlothian and you have to spit on it and go past, um, you know, all these great places, which if you know Edinburgh, like they're touchstones in your life, I think. Um, kilt shops and the place where you used to buy the cigarettes. Uh, back when we were allowed to buy cigarettes and it wasn't bad. It was just cool. I don't know if you remember those days. I think, um, unfortunately, it still is quite cool, but it's, it's is just... it? Okay, I'm getting back into uh, it in that case because <laughs> I'm missing it. Um, and, yeah, and then down to the bottom and past the Royal Palace and then you go across and you go up this path. And I remember getting slightly lost. I think we may have been slightly drunk and straying from the radical road that goes all the way up to the top, thinking we could take a shortcut <laughs> across the top of the Salisbury Crags. And the Salisbury Crags... You know, you were talking about the great geology of uh, of uh, North uh, Devon last week, but yes, Craig is where that story starts. You know, the, the understanding the millions of years of deposition and how the stuff gets uplifted. Um, Salisbury Crags, if you don't know people, you've got to go there. There's a wonderful visitor centre at the foot of um, of the seat called Dynamic Earth. My boy Douglas used to love going there. Every time we went to Edinburgh to visit family, we'd have to take a trip from there take a journey through the, the deep history of our planet. Anyway, yeah. you get up to the top and there's a can. There's always a couple of people with a half a bottle of whiskey up there. Um, and so you do it and you do it in the cold. And I don't even think it's pleasant, but it's a pilgrimage of sorts. You get to the yeah. top of Arthur's Seat and it's like a mountain in the middle of a city. You can see the Firth of Forth and you can see the bridges, but you can also see the schemes going out to the edges as far as you can see. Edinburgh is a place that lives deeply in my heart, even though I've only lived there for, you know, a few months at a time, maybe. Anyway, I've only been to Edinburgh. Cool. I've been to Edinburgh twice. That's all. Um, mm. Once for the fireworks with a friend who lived there at the end of mm. the festival. The fringe, yeah. And mm. and once when I visited Grangemouth, which is like sort of, a, you know, what is sort for of, work? Were you at for work? For yeah, work? when I worked for yeah. Zeneca, yeah, Grangemouth for for um plant establishment of, a, of an agrochemical product, Amistar mm. Pro, when I worked for Zeneca Agrochemicals, one for the farmers again, um, a, a, an astrobilurin fungicide, broad-spectrum fungicide for treatment of fungal diseases on the surface of wheat. Anyway, Happy there we days. go. That was a nice trip. Um, but, yes, yeah. it's a great place. I'd like to go oh, it's back. It's a great city. And, I'm, you know, I've been there off and on through my entire life. My mother was a Scot, so we were up there. You know, oh. every summer holiday we'd be passing through, and then you I must have played through. your ukulele up at Edinburgh in, in, in a festival, have you? On somewhere, I must have played a ukulele. I didn't really. I have to say, I, I know I'm strongly identified with the instrument. But I didn't really pick up the ukulele until very late, when uh, my then school, Larkrise Primary in Oxford, 
the PTA wanted to invest in a class set and yeah. uh, asked me if I wouldn't mind teaching. So I had to quickly bone up a bit. I oh, you fell in love. Class, but I didn't really get um, into it till then. But yeah, and no, I used to go up the fringe every year when I was a student, and for years afterwards, we took shows and um, slept in, you know, twenty people in a flat, which had been ostensibly let out to three, and clogging up the bathrooms and great, great days. And then yeah, and then I lived there with my wife. The first, when I first lived with my wife, I came back from living in Poland and uh, packed that job in, came back and moved in with her. Um, Oh, it's a loaded place. I still go there very regularly because I've got, you know, plenty of family up there still who need to see their um, lovely nephew Douglas. So, but yeah, the, I could do lots of walks. Walking down the water of Leith, there's a beautiful walk down the path. I was down there in the summer and went walking around Leith and visiting some old haunts, visited some houses we used to live in and things. Marvellous. Anyway, that's walk one. Go up, go down the Royal Mile, and then go up Arthur's Seat and do it on a day that you really shouldn't because it's too bitterly cold. But if you hold hands with somebody you love, it will keep you warm. It'll be fine. No, that's romantic. That's lovely. That's okay, nice Ed, quick, quick, two more. Two more. Okay, listen, I want to go to um, in the shadow of Didcot Power Station. Yeah, do you know, <laughs> the, do you know the I Whitnam know Didcot Power Station. Yes, Whitnam um, Clumps. People, yeah. Whitnam Clumps. When you were a Neolithic person, and the Whitnam clumps would have been this massive, great statement in the um, in the landscape. There's these two round lumps sticking out in um, in the southern part of Oxfordshire, um, and then latterly, you know, in the last few decades, this enormous great power station with huge great cooling towers and things went yes. up, and Whitnam clumps lost its place in the landscape because it was overshadowed by this enormous great. When you you know when you come through that cut on the M40, when you come through that cutting through the Chilterns, and then you yes. look to the south, you can see this great embankment like Gormenghast in the background of of, of uh, Didcot. But now they've taken yes. them down. You know, it was a great moment, but in some ways happy, in some ways sad when you saw the cooling towers collapsing into their own rubble. You know, yes, they were and, cooling and towers. The great, great big hall fell down of its own accord when people were preparing it. They were quite southern for cooling towers, weren't they? Really, yeah, um, they were. Did, they did felt get, like and there were some down in Sandwich next to next to the Pfizer site, actually, because um, yeah. uh, there used to be coal mines down in 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 Kent. Um, uh, not many in comparison to. Uh, up in the in the um, North Midlands and, and and the north of England, but um, and South of Wales, but there was one down there, and so yeah, they, they're quite. Re- there's something romantic about cooling yeah. towers as well. I love them. I really. And also, like I like them. I like the same reason I like walking at Dungeness, you know, just in yes. the in the sort of shadow of the nuclear power station, and it's just mm. sort of desolate and oh yeah, I like that, but yeah. but not anyway. Yes. Did, cutting to the chase because we want to get on. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dickot yeah. Power Station is now is now pretty much no more as a form in the landscape. There's still a power station there, but it's a much smaller thing. And suddenly that means that Whitnam clumps leap out of the landscape at you as they must have done for thousands of years before that tiny little moment of time when when Dickot Power Station popped up for a few decades and then popped down again. It's a great walk. Um, it's great wildlife, great views from the top, great kite flying. If you're a small enough child, great rolling down the hills. If there's a bit of snow, there's great sledging. And uh, when it's doing it at the top, at the top of it, there's these both clumps of, of these. Uh, both of the clumps have got a clump at the top. They've got uh, like a little copse at the top. Yeah. Do it in the winter when they're all skeletal and reaching up the sky, and then scrabble on the ground, and you've got these round pebbles that were at the bottom of a of a great river at some point, and now they're uplifted to the top of the clumps. It's a great little walk, actually. And, oh, uh, that sounds wobbles. good. I, yeah, that I sounds good with a bit of bit of bit of geology as well. Excellent. Yeah. My last one, then, very very quickly. I did the first half of this walk with you first time we went for a walk, but we kind of ran out of time a bit. And I can't remember how to get back for something, didn't I? Yeah. But it's a beautiful Dartmoor. walk um, down where and near where I'm living now um, in Devon. I love this secret copse called Blackator Copse. Yes. People know Wistman's Wood, which is very well known yeah it's very yeah. well known it's very beautiful um and it's very well known mostly because it's near a car park you get the black at all you do have to walk for an hour or a little bit more up into the hills and it, you get this crevice where these um oak trees have survived they survived because they're growing out of um a rocky um bouldery sort of a thing and the, the, the sheep and the deer and the rabbits can't get in there to nibble them off when they're too tiny that's why they survived once upon a time the whole landscape would have been forested but it isn't now um, but because they're growing at high altitude for them, 
His oak yeah. trees are stunted and withered and twisty and crazy. And, and coated with sort of moss. growing out of this clitter is, yeah. is the local term for this sort of mess of boulders they're growing out of. Uh, yeah. And the, the clitter is all covered with moss and lichen. It's a very strange and magical place. So if anybody wants to do that walk, make an appointment. Say they're coming down to Devon. Let me know. I'll take you on that walk up past. Can I book that one in? I'll book that one in for Easter, Ed. I'll book that. We're going to do the estuary, aren't we? Next Saturday week, and then and then and then we'll do Dartmoor in the in the Easter maybe. It's not really. It's not very. You know. It's not. You don't go up to the top of any great big tours or anything, but it takes you into the heart of this very strange landscape to see Mm. this very very particular habitat. There's only three on the moor of these high altitude oak forests. Not, I'll say again, not because oak trees won't grow that altitude, but because uh, ponies bite them. <laughs> so if you want to uh, grow up as an oak tree, you've got to find rocks to grow up between to be big enough yeah. to be, be um, pony-proof. Get the ponies off the moor and let the trees grow back, I say. <laughs> Indeed. Not, not controversial at all. Thank you, Ed, for your lovely three walks. So Edinburgh, the something clumps. What are they called? Whittenham clumps. Whittenham clumps. clumps. Just near in, Didcot. In near Didcot in Oxfordshire and yeah. Dartmoor. It's the um, north Dartmoor. edge of Dartmoor. The north edge of Dartmoor. Um, yeah. yeah, and here we go. Question of the week. Which we've left um, ourselves five minutes for on this occasion. We have. <laughs> we have left ourselves five minutes and for your killing in the name as well. So oh God, so we, 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 we're going to... We, our, our show now we've negotiated with the uh, Beat Radio 1 controller, is actually an hour and five minutes. It's no longer an hour-long show. We are deciding it's an hour and five minutes. when they put it on the repeats, does it? Well, I don't think... They they don't put it on... Do they put it on repeat in schedules? I'm aware of. I don't think so. Um, But, um, uh, yeah, yeah, um, right. What are we doing? What's the question of the week? Hang on, I need to go to my... What is the right... What is the age at which we should assess the effectiveness of education? That's right. That's it was right. sort of, it was sort of linked to my edutopia. It, it, it's um, so so. It was sort of linked to that a little bit, in the sense that uh, it's again, you know, I, I just need to make it clear: I'm not anti-children learning stuff, and I'm not anti-exams. <laughs> Exams are a great tool in helping us to learn stuff, and for those who who are academically motivated and driven, then then. There's there's a big place for that, but I'm not sure everybody doing the same thing at 16 and using that as a measure of um, our kind of well, not really a measure of our worth, but just of a measure of our education. It's it's because we're not we're not complete at 16. I mean, we're never complete, no. but 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 you know, it's just it's a, just a funny time. So the question was, um, at what age is the most sensible and useful to society mm. point to measure the positive impact of school education on an individual? Mm. The options were age 16, aged 18, age 24, or aged 30. Before I reveal the results, Ed, have you got anything you wanted to say a bit more about yeah, this? Yeah, no, I think that's a total crock. I mean, I've been biting my tongue on this one. So, so I'm going to do a, a, a serious point here. So um, I, I had this kid at school who was just terrific, brilliant kid. And like, like this kid, like, he was the younger sibling of a child I taught. So he very often came into my classroom in the morning. When he came into the classroom, if I had one to hand, I'd pick up a ukulele or a guitar and play a song. And uh, this little kid would dance with the lo- I mean, lovely thing. And the kids in my class, who were not the easiest, loved this kid too. And they would you know, dance with him or just enjoy that moment. He was a kid who was shining with life and happiness. Uh, one, one day he went home and uh, a terrible a terrible thing happened and he didn't come in again. He, he passed away. Oh. So it's terrible. This thing happened and I absolutely recalibrated everything I thought because I thought school was about, I would have said, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, judge at 18, judge at 65. You know, we're preparing children for the future. And then I thought, Fuck. I'm, I'm going to use a bad word. I won't use that bad word. I thought, no, I don't think it is. I just want to know that that kid had a good day at school because he had one day at school and then he didn't come back the next day, you know? So did he get to climb a tree? Did he get to sing a song? Did he laugh at a story? Did he get to be a little bit naughty and that be okay because kids are sometimes, you know? And I feel quite passionate about this. That You know, school is for the kids we have. We do not know 
if they're going to have professional careers or go to university or not. We don't know. So a day in my school, I'm a head teacher. I God, I hope those children have a good day. That school is for that kid. You know, you go to school on Tuesday and that Tuesday is your Tuesday. You have that whole Tuesday to be you. And, yeah, I agree yeah, with we you. We do have I, to teach stuff, and we do have to think about. I agree with you wholeheartedly, but it isn't designed for that, though, is it? Beyond, but you know, to judge, you know, school has to be judged on its own terms. Those are the days those kids are living. They're not living for their future. They're living in their present, and we need to make sure that what we give them is worthy of that. You know that day of that beautiful sunny day or that rainy day you know yeah yeah so yeah so when should you be judging the effectiveness of school i I do i totally understand all those people say yeah you know later 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 does that person still remember brilliant stuff and have they had their um, attitudes to life changed when they're into their 50s and into their 60s of course that's part of it but the chief part of it surely has to be fulfilling our promise to the young people we have in our care or i mean that's what i was thinking anyway I think that's a fantastic answer. So I, instead of putting 16, I should have put today yeah. or 18. So yeah. one of the options one of the options should be when should we judge the impact of education a on an individual? And the answer should just be today. Yeah, a couple of children I teach, um, you know, they have a reasonably hard time. I noticed today that both of them were having a golden time. I know. Yeah. I was like, oh, my word. Yeah, I know there's hard times, and sometimes it's difficult to deal with your emotions and things. But today... You guys are just golden. I heard one of them chuckling in this really rich, hearty way at some terrible, lame joke I made. And I thought, there you go. Today ain't too bad. Yeah. I think I think that's the thing that I was sort of talking about a bit earlier on, that that, you know, I was absolutely I was so I was supposed to teach two year six science lessons this morning but the young shakespeare people were in and so i was mm. sitting at the back marking some books whilst whilst the children were engaging in this this wonderful workshop and, and performance and and with these great young actresses who you know um actors actors sorry and actresses um and um i i just thought there was just so much joy and 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 i just thought oh you know I think I think you're you're absolutely absolutely right. Um, but then I also thought, you know, a lot of children think, you know, I just want to be happy, and it's all about happiness, and I want to do that. But of course, if you had that every day, I wouldn't have felt so happy because it was it was sort of out of the ordinary. So I think I think that we, you know, anyway, difficult, difficult. Yeah, but the answer to no, the no, other no, survey, learning good stuff is joyful. Learning great yeah. stuff is joyful. That's part of it. Yeah, absolutely. But it's it's, it's sort of disproportionate. Party, is it? Don't you think it's a bit disproportionate? The, 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 I think I think that's the point. So that's the, the answer to the question. There are only fifty-eight votes, so you know this is not sort of uh, you know that's probably more people than there are in some random controlled trial in some educational research. But still, yeah, anyway, um, uh, th- only three percent said we should be measuring the impact of education at sixteen. Twenty-four percent said at eighteen. 31% said at 24 and admittedly I skewed the results with my six tweet prequel um to the question um if I did influence anybody I'm I'm I've never have before um but anyway um age 30 42% and I think that's what what I mean so in opposite to you Ed I think what yeah. I mean I I totally agree with you and there is this difference between primary and kind of secondary mindset in really in in primary with generally teaching children to learn to love life love each other and love learning whereas in secondary there is this treadmill we're trying to teach them to love our subject most of them don't end up loving it and um, we're trying and then we're trying to get them the best possible grade in a subject at GCSE whether we believe that that's the right thing to do or not that's what we're asked to do um and so but my point is it's just I I suppose what I think it is really the later the better because 16 just seems such a strange time to you know I don't know I just think it's also short-termist it's also short-termist yeah I'm very short-termist I'm saying I just think children deserve to get to be a childhood their best selves in, the, yeah. in that moment or we look at it a longer thing we say you know come on where did it get you by the time you were 65 what did you retain of it what was useful to you 
what you definitely don't go is 16. <laughs> 16 no. is the worst possible age to judge anything, I think, yeah. probably, other than how cool your trousers are. You get your coolest trousers around about your 16. Yeah, and your trousers are generally cooler at 18 than they are at 16 anyway, and and, and probably slightly cooler. I, I've, I've, I've had this expression sometimes, um, no one under 21 is cool. So stop trying to be, you know, I think, <laughs> you know, can you, uh, that, but um, I mean, it's controversial, obviously within peer groups, people are cool, but, but I, I think, you know, people are so caught up that to be cool, you've not got to be self, you, you can't be self-conscious, can you? And, and adolescents, God help them. They are very self-conscious and, and it's very hard to really be truly cool if you're self-conscious. So um, we have overrun massively, but Ed, I want yeah. you to play Killing in the Name. Right, I want I you to play Killing in the Name. I might close that tab. Okay. So, I've, I mean, I've listened carefully to the original, and I think I've got close to it. Um, actual fact, I haven't, no, I'm, I'm lying there, but have you ever noticed how similar it is to the Grange Hill theme tune? Is that, I'm going to notice it now. Listen to it, <laughs> listen to it when I finish this, and then you go, oh, my God, they basically played this Grange Hill theme tune, and there's some shouting. Um, this is my version of it. It's a little, it's a loose interpretation. Some of those that work forces are the same. The burnt crosses. It doesn't rhyme, does it? Some of those that work forces are the same. The burnt crosses. You can join on this bit. Some of those that work forces are the same. The burnt crosses. One more. Some of those work. Have to see actually just that many times. So to see how it works. Here we go. Into it goes. Killing in the name of. Killing in, in the name of, killing in the name of, and then you think there's going to be another one, and it suddenly goes back in. Now you do what they told ya, now they do what they told We've run over, so I'll go straight to the end of that first. Well, now you do what they told ya. I missed out 12 of those. Those who died are justified for wearing, now we get to the main bit here, wearing a badge. There's a chosen wife. Wearing a badge. Justify those that died for wearing the badge. There the was badge. A quest for this one on the street. There are, I think I've probably done enough, have I? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I've made the point. People love that song, don't they? They do love they the song. And, um, There's nothing there. No, it's no. I, theme tune. I was never that into... It's Rage Against the Machine, isn't it? Mm, it is. Yeah. It's un- unclear what machine they're raging against there. I yeah. would say. Am um, I wrong? <laughs> you definitely did a, it. It was your version wasn't quite as angry as the original. I'm um, not as angry. And anyway, That's just in case on the there. subject of angry, our our non-paymasters might say, come on, guys, you've got to stop overrunning. But, but we're, we're, you know, it's, I think we could go into the night. It doesn't really matter because, you know, we are the last show. Um, Anyway, everyone. So I think just to talk about, think about what we're going to do next week, Ed and I will talk about it, but I'd want to dive a bit deeper into this sort of emotional education, school of life, thinking about why we're quite so obsessed with maths, but not that obsessed with understanding ourselves. Um, as part of our education and all that sort of stuff. So a bit about that next week, um, a bit about maybe what our three most ideal things, the ideal school day, perhaps we could think about what does the ideal school day look like or the ideal school week and the structure of that. Or the ideal school dinner. Or the ideal school, well, the art would be part of it, wouldn't it? Um, uh, Okay. We'll chat in the week, Ed. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for joggers, cookers, runners, walkers, Mm-hmm. whatever you whenever you listen to us um and terribly sorry for overrunning um it is good night from me and it's good night from him <laughs> that, that's good it night. exactly <laughs> bye bye thanks for listening everyone night night everybody have a good night, night. night. sleep well You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.